It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. From Barangaroo Studios, this is the COB, brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Hello, this is the COB, all the stuff you need to know about the day in business and markets. I'm Kyle Rodder and I'm here with Danny Ikuye. And Danny, um, two from two, let's call it, because it's been a pretty positive start to the week. I know. It's fantastic. Don't we love a rally? And we've had another rally today, so up about half a percent. Although I do note that they were slightly lower than normal volumes, which is probably not surprising since we're going into that US CPI print tonight, which we will be speaking about uh, a little bit later. But uh, materials, off to the races. Iron ore price, a little bit firmer, major miners firmer. And uh, maybe some hedging in terms of if we get a worse than expected CPI print, maybe people are in, hedging into resources. Who knows? Yeah, absolutely. Into uh, real assets, perhaps, but, perhaps, but uh, you can kind of see there in your chart the last two hours of trade, no one wanted to make any kind of movements, probably squaring up positions before uh, this release. But that does take us to the three themes for today. And let's get them up there. One of them is, of course, two from two. Uh, second day in a row of really solid gains for the ASX 200. Uh, minus climb, you mentioned that as well. And we will be keeping an eye on US. CPI tonight. We'll be breaking all of that down a little bit more in a moment. Um, but let's just crisscross the sectors just a little bit and uh, start off with some of the tech names. Uh, computer share higher by 0.4%. YSEC Global up by 0.11%. There's one notable name that, uh, yeah. that we've let off there, but we'll get to that just yep. perhaps in a moment. Uh, metals and mining mean time. Uh, you can see there on your screen, uh, all up, the big three, that is, by more than 2%. In fact, Rio Tinto adding 2.8% to be around $121.66 per share. Uh, gold miners, the outlier, they're pulling back, but of course, they've experienced such a significant run. But, uh, well, let's get to some of the news of the day. And uh, Danny, Whitehaven yep. is Ab uh, in the headlines. Absolutely. So Whitehaven's coal run of mine production forecasts have fallen below the end, uh, below the bottom end of guidance. Australia's largest independent coal miner said it expects production for the 2023 fiscal year due to shortages, labour shortages and, and additional constraints at its Malls Creek mine. June is expected to deliver an uplift in volumes overall, but those labour shortages are being felt across the business. The company now expects production between 18 and 19.2 million tonnes for the year, down from a previous 19 to 20 spot, 4 million tonnes for the year. Absolutely. And we did see the stock down over the course of the session, but perhaps in the big news today and the big sh mm. mover and shaker. NextDC's new S3 data center has benefited from recent contract wins and is now at 46% of total planned capacity. The company said revenue for the majority of the new customer contract wins is expected to be progressively recognized late FY24 through 
FY29, although I don't know if that's a title or not. No, uh, no, that's correct. That yeah. is correct. Yeah, oh, there yeah. you go. Okay, so the next five years. Uh, following completion and commissioning of additional data halls over time, uh, CEO and Managing Director Craig Scroggy said it is very pleasing for the company to have secured this record level of incremental customer contract wins. And uh, as you can see there, the stock was up 8.2% for the session. And uh, Danny, it was actually our stock of the day today. So we may as well get straight to that because we had Carl Capolingua from Think Markets as well as Henry Jennings from Markets Today talking about Next DC. So yes, there's great growth. Then we move to the stage, well, what are you paying for that growth? And it is substantial. Candle isn't looking great. I reckon you can trim some here. It's not an all-out sell because otherwise the trends are pretty good. Short-term trend is up, long-term trend is up. The candles, price action, all fine. But um, I like to take some off the table when we get a big pop-up like this, especially when we're hitting those big supply levels. So trim for me, Andrew, is typically one-third of the existing position. One-third. The stock has recovered really, really well off its lows around nine bucks. Um, and it is going pretty well today, up 9% today. But I would be with Carl taking some profits here. There is this sort of uh, short squeeze, I suspect, happening today. Good numbers, though, good utilisation. So that's important. But, um, you know, I think it's recovered in line with tech stocks, in line with the market. But I think from here it gets harder. So I'd be uh, looking to semi-sell or trim or uh, at least take some profits here. 12.15, 12.20 looks to be a good place to take some money off the table. Okay, so that was basically a double sell, but really it was a, a double trim, I guess you could say. We had a bit of a rally. They said, take some off the table. You can buy back in a bit cheaper at some point in the future. Um, do you have a view on next DC? I only asked because actually over the weekend, I was talking to an uncle of mine who's an electrician mm. saying all the work that he's doing at the moment is on these data centers mm, that are popping mm, up mm, everywhere. Mm, so, mm. I mean, do you, have a, do you have a preference for next DC at all? Is it something that you've looked at in the past? I have, um, and uh, I regret not buying back into it. But I think the main thing that people don't understand, this is a utility down the track mm. and we really or an infrastructure asset which will have a reliable earning stream mm. and increasingly I was chatting uh, with a, uh, a broker acquaintance the other day for retiring Australians it's increasingly hard to get that type of asset in the portfolio because the big super funds keep on buying them. Sydney mm -hmm. Airport disappears. And I think people have struggled with Next DC to understand that the build out of these data centres, very capital intensive, takes a very long time. But once the clients are in and once it's working, you will have an income stream that is the equivalent of, uh, you know, uh, an annuity effectively. And uh, I think, you know, if rates do come down and when they move to start, when they stop investing so much, that's the proposition that you're looking at with the stock. So it becomes a matter of timing, doesn't it? Mm, it's a great way to frame it, a, a utility of the future, I suppose. It makes mm. a lot of sense when you look at it that way. But um, Danny, let's get quickly just to the view that you wrote today. And uh, well, we're all talk mm. about uh, inflation uh, and we have done, of course, for the last 12 to 18 months, it's, it's, it's been the word. But we look at the longer term and there's still yeah. those drivers, I suppose, of, you know, disinflation or if 
potentially even even deflation if it depends on who you ask. But you, you today was talking about maybe some of those secular trends when it comes to price pressures, and then maybe you know there are some of those deflationary pressures working against us uh, against in, inflation in the long term. Yeah. So I just wanted to be rather than being the doomster every time I wrote a view, <laughs> I, I thought I'd uh, extrapolate out from the Chinese inflation data that came out last night. But there was a little bit softer than people expected, and you know China's um, rate of population growth has actually slowed, it's decreasing. And a lot of Western countries have that, but they're also struggling with a lot of Chinese people, what they term the baby boomers that were born in the 1960s. They are all now retiring because China has one of the lowest rates of, in terms of ages of retirement. And when you look at the secular disinflation, deflationary forces in our economies, aging populations or tailwinds from demographics is very, very large. Japan is always used as an example. You can even look at places like um, Italy. And also you've got the impacts of um, a basically AI and ongoing growth in how technology is going to displace us. So what I just proposed in this piece was, yes, there's a lot of talk about inflation being embedded with onshoring, friendshoring, all of that. But the secular trends that were in place, including huge amounts of debt, debt is very deflationary for economies. Those forces haven't gone away. And I just put forward the proposition that, you know, markets would be caught off guard if, if it actually inflation came down more quickly than what is being expected at the moment. Absolutely. It's uh, always good to put things into a longer term picture, especially when it comes to, well, I guess all the noise that uh, we like to generate anyway when it comes to CPI figures and the like. Um, but let's move on. And uh, we'll start with that CPI discussion because we have Mark Gardner from Macro Capital joining us at the desk, as he always does on a Wednesday afternoon. Mark, great to have your company. Good afternoon. Um, we're looking at the CBO Australia 200 chart, uh, CBO 200 chart just before. I would imagine the ASX 300 would have looked awfully similar. Not much action in the back end of today. Squaring things up, a bit of positioning, I suppose preparation, I suppose, for this this big inflation figure. I think a lot of that was probably done last Thursday. Mm. Um, and we obviously had a fairly uh, risk off session on Thursday. Um, and I think that while I was surprised about the bounce on my, on the uh, Tuesday morning, um, you know, it didn't, didn't necessarily surprise me. Um, obviously because it was one of those sessions where we had um, you know payrolls was released without my market being open for the first time so um, so yeah and further to uh, Danielle's point about you know demographics I mean we've got the largest um, the largest amount of baby boomers hitting retirement age in the US at the moment as well so those record low employment uh, unemployment rates that are going on at the moment I mean there there is a fair chance that a lot of that is um, sort of I guess been it's not necessarily traditional record low unemployment um, I think you've probably seen really high skilled workers leaving or retiring um, a lot of those tech layoffs have, in, um, have involved uh, redundancies as well which don't really count towards the numbers and if you think about those people that are retiring obviously they're very experienced very skilled you might see a situation where you're probably having two lower skilled workers um, but replacing you know a more experienced worker as well so the demographic skew will um, you know I think we'll, we'll have a you know a decreasing workforce in the US until um, 
until basically the millennials start to have um, kids. So that that's a fairly huge shift overall. Um, the US is in an okay position. China's in a China and Europe are in a mm. really horrible position in regards to that. And um, and to your point, you know, Japan obviously had decades of deflation, um, and that was on the back of that you know that aging population. So yeah, I think we're probably going to have stubborn inflation for the time being, um, and we will will likely see that second wave with the you've seen strength in the services PMI numbers and things like that. So I've, I've seen a lot of um, or I've read a lot of uh, analyst research sort of dismissing this CPI a little bit and saying this will probably be about as low as it you know it'll probably trough here and we'll see the services PMI start to come through and push inflation up not not wildly um, the the goods um, inflation is always much stronger than the wage inflation um, and they always they always are in a second wave usually historically so um, yeah we'll, we'll but that's where that stubbornness that I think central bankers are talking about is that they know that that you know historically that second wave does come with the wage inflation obviously things get more expensive mm. then you finally get up the courage to ask your boss for a pay rise because your rent's gone up and etc so and then that it starts to come back in back through but with like in um, regards to i mean we've been looking at the you know the um the economic numbers from you know your bureau of labor statistics etc but there's a lot of read through in um you know in what these these u.s earnings data is that's coming up starting friday with the banks um i think you know profit margins are extraordinarily highly correlated mm. to hiring intentions and um and I think we, because we've had such a muddy picture with that demographic shift, um, and obviously prices paid for, in, you know, for services and um, input goods and things, I think we'll have a situation where the earnings data will actually be almost some of the best. It'll give us some clarity on the economic numbers because it's you know there's there's so many structural lags in in a lot of these numbers at the moment, um, and which need to be sort of ironed out. And I think you know compression in profit margins. Um, I think in the last 18 months, we've seen uh, OECD company, uh, countries' um, large caps have dropped about a trillion in cash, so uh, from about 13 to, to 12 trillion. So cash balances, liquidity, you know, availability of cash and things like that will actually be really good lead indicators and give a little bit more clarity on what's actually going on in the real economy. So. Let's not, you know, there's no point in second guessing what's going to happen tonight because, you know, some of the traders are in there. Apparently, there's quite a lot of shorts out there at the moment in the U.S. market. And, um, you know, it could could swing any way tonight and it could also swing any way on, you know, Thursday because typically that's what it does. If we're going to look through, what would it take for you to change your positioning in your portfolios out of this number and maybe as the US earnings start to come through? Uh, like I said, I think I'd be looking at, you know, a lot of those numbers like you know, the earnings numbers rather than the rather than the CPI. They're expecting quite a big drop tonight. Um, institutional shorts in the S&P are at their highest level since 2011 mm. as well. Mm. Market finds it very difficult to go down when everyone's expecting it to go down. So if anything, I'd be expecting a short squeeze, to be to be brutally honest. Um, interesting thing about the um, the US market at the moment is about nine, just over 90% of the gains in the US indices this year is to do with seven stocks, basically. 
Mm. And it's really disguising the broader weakness. We don't get those US, those big names in the US until the 27th and 28th. So you're going to have a situation where we're likely to see a good 350 odd companies in the S&P 500 report poorly mm. leading into that. And then that may turn the you know investor sentiment sour even before we get there. And those, look, and those companies, some of them have rallied, you know, 90%. Mm. And um, like, for, you know, since the start of the year. And you've got to remember that, you know, Apple, Amazon, Microsoft, they're, they're all very cyclical companies. Mm. They've, all, they've all announced layoffs. And the NVIDIA, I mean, that, I mean, it's complete antithesis isn't it to mm. what you're seeing with samsung electronic and you know tsmc i mean it's it's off on its own ai bandwagon isn't it yeah and taiwan semiconductors has made major cuts mm. and um i think my i think that out of those big companies like goldman sachs microsoft disney across all sectors there's been anywhere between six to thirteen percent reduction in workforces mm. which hasn't really come through into the numbers at the moment which is when when i was reading into it i think it's more to do with the fact that they they initially offered out um, you know redundancy packages um, to people who wanted to volunteer to go um, so those numbers might those poor and you know those job cuts might sort of start to filter through over the next couple of months um, but you know with that with that huge rally in those in those mega caps and the cyclical nature of them um, you know it's, it's gonna be it's gonna be pretty you know pretty impressive results um, and and I can't really see companies who have just reduced their workforce by 10% coming out going you know pew, pew, yeah we're killing it like it's it'd just be bad taste if anything so it's I, 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 yeah it, I, I really you know but and look and Tesla's dropped their prices about oh. I think five times this year um, and we're only in April Mm. So, um, and that's across all their models. Um, you know, I, I dare say, you know, Microsoft will see the reduction in workforce. I mean, their main, um, apart from the cloud services, their main um, income is, you know, is office and things like that. So, I mean, reduction in licenses, et cetera. I mean, that SaaS model's great, but it's, you know, the ability to cancel instead of buying outright also is going to reduce the revenue stream at some stage as well. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how that, like I said, how Main Street's going versus, you know, we've, We've had endless speculation about from Wall Street, from economists, traders, analysts, bond traders. Everyone's got a different view. And if you look hard enough, you can find a compelling case for all of those views. So I, th I think this is actually a really important quarterly update to see how mm. like businesses are actually going. Instead of you know speculating on you know economic numbers, you can you can pretty much mould into your your choice of opinion. So do you think that means just trying to infer something there from a couple of things that you said that you know we're almost looking past this sort of interest rate risk now to an extent, and more about how interest rate hikes are affecting the real economy because. I mean, if we're not so worried anymore that the Fed's going to hike another 100 basis points, that sort of volatility gets put to one side. But now we just focus on, again, the earnings impact, which is, you know, again, the knock-on effects of the mm. 400 basis points of hikes we've already had from the Fed. Yeah, and I, and I think particularly, like, you've got those th uh, four banks uh, reporting on Friday. Um, you'd be looking very closely at liquidity ratios, obviously. Yeah. Um, inverted yield curve, before we had this banking issue, was at 110 or 115 uh, basis points, which is as deep as it's been since the, the yeah. early 80s. So that's, that's horrible for net interest margin for banks. Mm. So, you know, 
if they show further, um, you know, further weakness, it may pull the Fed up. But I mean, look, twenty. If it's twenty-five, it's seventy-five. I mean, we've already raised by, you know, four hundred basis points. It's not, you know, I don't. We are nearing the end of the cycle. I think we probably are looking, yeah, to your point, looking a little bit past it now to, you know, what the actual economic impact of that's going to be. And um, and I, I think the Fed will be watching to see, you know, how they how companies report and whether there's any financial stress out there because I mean they. Don't don't, you know, they don't want to buckle the economy. Mm. Um, if they can achieve a soft landing, <laughs> they they will. I would have thought they will try. And what real difference does it make pausing for a month or for two months? So, um, hiking and easing cycles used to take eighteen odd months. I mean, the GFC uh, easing cycle was like eighteen months. Mm. Um, I, you know, we. We don't have to have everything done all at once. And um, um, I respect their response because inflation obviously is an economy killer, but you know, it's not, it's not going to hurt if they, um, if they pull back and see what the real effects are. Mark, uh, great insights as always. Really appreciate them. <laughs> Mark Gardner from Macro Capital. Jeez. Thanks for your time. Okay, well, let's get on to what's ha- happening tonight. And we just covered off a lot of it, of course, Danny, so we don't have to go through too mm. much the US CPI print, but the, the headline figure is expected to drop to 5.1%. But as I understand it, the core number, which is a little bit more co- closely watched by policymakers, yep. I think it's supposed to be a bit more sticky. So, it's around, yeah, yeah it's but, um, 0.4? Uh, around Point, yeah. about 0.4, yeah. yeah. So um, just in terms of what else we, we can look forward to, uh, Governor Bailey, Bank of England, Governor yep. Bailey speaking tonight, Bank of Canada. That'll be an important one because they've obviously paused. Mm. So it'll be interesting to hear what they have to say. Yeah, exactly. So 4.5% is uh, the, the, uh, the the rate over there at the moment expected to be on hold. And uh, the FOMC minutes too. So we will get some colour on at least the last decision from, from the Fed. Uh, tomorrow, a little less robust in terms of market moving data. But we do get that jobs figure out of Australia. It's expected to show the unemployment rate lift to 3.6%. Yeah, well, yes, well, we'll have to wait and see, won't we? <laughs> yeah, we we literally, we, we, we're living and uh, hopefully not dying by each macroeconomic data point this year. <laughs> okay, well, let's just take a look at the leaders and laggards. Now, starting with the leaders, and uh, I would dare say the next DC will be somewhere at the top, and there oh, is yes. 8.2%. Uh, Danny, you already went through, well, very eloquently, I have to say, that the, the bull case for next DC. I did have it on my watch no, list, No, no, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't a recommendation. No, a recommendation. Let's state that very, general, very general, clearly. General. The bull case, yeah. as in uh, well, a, 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 objectively and uh, what's the abstract. Yeah, uh, abstract. Well, just no. d- describing what the business done and yeah. does. And uh, even though Megaport is not really at all comparable, mm. it has caught some love uh, probably from the next DC uh, update, as has Champion Iron Ore caught some love from the the other major iron ore miners yeah we did we did see the uh, big three up all by uh, more than two percent interesting that we did have a little bit of um, tech uh, strength in Australia today because overnight the only thing that kept Wall Street flat basically was uh, some weakness in the information technology space so some interesting rotation positioning perhaps uh, in the market there maybe going to Mark's point before as well that the rally that we have seen over the last few weeks has been driven by a narrow set of companies most of which are in the uh, in the tech space uh, but overall it was a very positive days trade yep. uh, broad-based day of gains and uh, well it will be interesting to see that inflation figure and whether we get that sort of inflation hedge dynamic in the uh, commodity plays continuing to come through but uh, Danny the laggards today let's take a look at those 
Yeah, looks like uh, coal and uh, poor old lithium plays. They really cannot catch a bid at the moment, can they? So, uh, and Qantas in there as well. Don't think there's any particular new news there. The market's really rotational at the moment. Um, you know, it's obviously, you know, Whitehaven came out, didn't they? With mm. the downgrade to expectations. Pilbara Minerals, I think Morgan Stanley initiated a underweight on that stock today, uh, basically saying that there's a lot of headwinds um, for lithium demand as well as uh, oversupply issues. Lake Resources, well, that's a special situation. Um, yeah, so that's kind of how I'm reading those. Yeah, Pilgrim Minerals there. There was an initiated coverage, I think, from Bank of America or... or I uh, think it was, it was Morgan B Stanley. Morgan Stanley, my yeah. apologies, that yeah. uh, put a sort of slightly weaker uh, price target, a lower price target on the company. So you know, maybe hitting sentiment, these stocks do tend to move on these sort of broker upgrades and downgrades, looking at you, Goldman Sachs. Um, but let's uh, shift on from that. Look at some of the uh, small caps now. And we always learn a few different names when these pop up, of course, when it comes to the small caps. But I'm glad my favorite stock, um, Je Vois Global, um, <laughs> that's not, not how I think it's pronounced, but I just like to say it. Uh, up again, 20% today. I don't know who's in that, of course. Uh, but let's move on to the laggards in the small cap area too. And uh, I don't know, Danny, anything that jumps out to you there? Anything you got in your portfolio that uh, you just made 20% no, on? No, I have to say there are names that are escaping me. Poor old legacy iron ore. It's uh, down almost 18% today to one cent. There you go. So, yeah. We'll uh, have to get uh, next time Henry Jennings in. He can uh, educate us, of course, on some of these small caps. I'm sure he's uh, got a, he's handed a few of them. But anyway, here's the market. Not much movement towards the end of the day. But nevertheless, second straight day of gains up just shy of half a percent for the SIBO 200 index. So uh, all's well that ends well. And now we'll sort of see if we can get a, well, softer than expected number out of uh, the US when it comes to inflation. That will likely determine whether we make it uh, three from three tomorrow, Danny, of Course, but uh, that wraps things up. Um, Danny, we obviously will uh, join uh, will join us once again tomorrow morning with uh, all you need to know. Make sure to uh, catch up on all the news and views on the website and app. Otherwise, have a great evening and we will see you tomorrow morning. Bye, everyone. The COB is brought to you by eToro. Invest in ASX shares with $0 commission. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.